0: This is Laura Dierdo with the Becker Spine and Orthopedic Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Chris Fusco, Chief Growth Officer of Spire Orthopedic Partners, a management services organization for orthopedic and spine practices. Chris, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today.
1: Thanks, Laura. Glad to be here.
0: Now I know we'll talk a lot about some of the big trends you're seeing with the practices um, under Spire today, and in really, you know, some of the big issues in orthopedics and spine right now, but I wanted to Ask you first about yourself and Spire Orthopedics. Could you tell me a little bit about your career journey and then what has led you to Spire, um, which I know is a really high growth company, and has 500 employees and looking at national expansion. So I'm interested in learning from you just a little bit more about yourself and where the company is headed.
1: Sure. So, um, just by way of background, um, I am Spire's Chief Growth Officer. I joined the organization in 2019, just after it was formed in a partnership between uh, physicians at orthopedic and neurosurgery specialists in Greenwich and a private equity fund by the name of Kohlberg and Company. I've spent my career in healthcare. I started my career as an investment banker at a firm called MTS Health Partners. Subsequent to that, I worked for a private equity fund in Boston called SV Health Investors. And um, since jumping onto the operating side, probably back in 2012, I've worked across four different private equity backed physician practice management companies working across urgent care, primary care, dermatology, ophthalmology and optometry and now orthopedics. So um, like I mentioned to you earlier, I've I've been in the orthopedic space for about two years, uh, excited to be participating in its growth and really driving the mergers and acquisitions and kind of organic growth initiatives at Spire Orthopedic Partners. Um, By way of background, Spire, like I said, was formed in 2019. Since then, we've effectively doubled the business through uh, acquisition-related growth, as well as certain organic growth initiatives like physician recruiting, opening new clinics, um, building out incremental ancillaries to support our physician practices, among others. So, you know, as we sit here today, we're a 50-plus physician orthopedic and neurosurgery group. We operate from 10 clinical locations. We own and operate a large ambulatory surgery center in Stanford, Connecticut, as well as several MRI centers across the tri-state area. So. Um, you know, we have plans to, to, to double the size of the business by the end of this year um, and, you know, are really, are really driving growth uh, on a national basis longer term.
0: That's fantastic to hear and great to know that there's been so much opportunity for um, your practices as well as Spire Orthopedics. Now, I'm wondering, you know, from your perspective, what are the top three trends that you're following today um, in the orthopedic practice space?
1: yeah so you know as i think about what's occurring in orthopedics um you know i would say a shift to value-based care is something that's front and center for most um and i would say also alternative payment models so kind of a shift away from fee-for-service reimbursement i think it's occurring in certain markets faster than others and i also think certain groups are participating in that whereas probably traditional smaller private practice groups don't really have the infrastructure to participate in that change. Um, So it's groups like Spire, it's some of our larger competitors, and it's certainly well-established, longstanding, independent orthopedic groups who are participating um, in in that shift. Um, I think we're seeing an increasing focus in long-term success versus short-term success with a lot of the groups that we're speaking with. I think we're seeing groups focus on how they will sustain – not just next year or the year after, but really, is it five years, 10 years in the face of consolidation, which I'll talk about in a moment? Um, and so I think, uh, you know, I think some of the smaller groups who are seeing increased competition from groups like Spire or group, or certain hospital groups or health system groups that employ their own orthopedists. I think really making sure they're well-positioned to survive long-term versus short-term um, is, is, is is front and center for most. And then I think consolidation, consolidation generally, right? You're seeing it not just in the provider landscape, in the orthopedic space. You're seeing it across, you name a physician's specialty, you're seeing consolidation occur. You're seeing consolidation occur at the payer level. You're seeing it cons- uh, occur at the hospital level. Uh, and so I think, you know, um, we're participating from a, from a provider perspective, a private practice perspective. And, um, you know, in, in, in the markets we serve today, as well as the markets where we have active dialogue with future partners, um, everyone is thinking about a partner. Everyone is thinking about how to come together to be stronger, to be more relevant, to, isol- to I would say, insulate themselves from um, changing market dynamics. And so where we exist primarily in Fairfield County Um, As kind of our headquarters, we're in the hornet's nest of competition where we, you know, have thrived in the face of competition against groups like HSS and Northwell and certain orthopedic groups uh, who have been long established in the community. So, you know, I would say consolidation is a theme um, in orthopedics, but uh, really in, in, in healthcare just generally.
0: That's a really good point. And, you know, I, I love your thoughts on value-based care. Obviously, that's something that you can bring to organizations as they come into your umbrella. But I'm wondering, you know, to your last point on competition amongst consolidated markets, what really gives you the edge in order to be successful and thrive, even with large partners and large brands that, you know, have a very, very established reputation within those markets?
1: I think it's, um, I think it's, it, it's, it's probably two key components I think one is it's capital. I think in order to compete with well-capitalized health systems and other competitors just generally, I think you've got to have capital at your disposal. And I think that's growth capital, and I think that's also capital to kind of build infrastructure you need to survive, right? So whether that's the ability to participate in value-based reimbursement, um, whether that's the capital you need to continue to be competitive from a general employment perspective in a competitive market, it's, I think having deep pockets of capital um, will, will, will allow you to have an edge. Um, I also think being majority physician-owned has been really helpful to us. I think knowing that the physicians own and control this business, um, what it, you know, I think it, it drives physicians towards us. I think physicians, especially orthopedists who are fiercely independent, do not want to work for Um, a health system, a hospital, or a private equity fund. I think they are willing to partner with a private equity fund if it means growth. But in a majority physician-owned business, I think one of the reasons we've been successful versus some of our peers um, is just that our doctors are really driving our strategic direction. Um, They're making decisions around physician hiring and clinical model and how we deliver care and how we grow. Uh, versus business people. We're here to support the physicians, and so I think that's really given us an edge um, versus our competitors and really driven physicians into our arms.
0: That's a really great point, Chris. Now, obviously, Spire has a lot of growth potential and and some great things going on, but how are orthopedic surgeons underneath your umbrella with some of their practices thinking about growth today?
1: I think it depends on the practice. For us, we really custom-tailor a a a growth solution or a value creation plan around what an independent practice needs so by way of example with an affiliated practice right now we may be focusing on building out a suite of ancillaries that they didn't have before they partnered with us that can be things like opening an mri center that can be things like uh building out a physical therapy offering or maybe a dme ancillary service line where historically those things were outsourced and so they weren't the positions really weren't capturing Um, those ancillaries and being able to really service their patients um, from an integrated perspective. Right. I think one of the things that I know, um, you know, in orthopedics and frankly, in any other specialty of medicine is patients don't really want to be ping ponged around from a referral perspective. So if you can really treat them, you know, start to finish within the four walls of a practice, um, you're going to have patient preference there. You're also probably going to have payer preference. And so, for us, you know, in certain markets, like I said, we're focusing on building out those ancillaries. In other practices, we're focused on bringing in younger talent and um, and, and, and establishing those positions in new offices, in new communities that we don't serve today. Um, so, you know, again, focus on really new offices where we can bring in physicians to serve those communities and support them with the existing infrastructure. So for us... Um, at a local level, at the practice level, we kind of sit down with our physicians and say, how do you want to grow? How can we help you? Uh, And that's really resonating. And then I think at a macro level at Spire, obviously, you know, I'm focused on partnering with physician groups um, so that we can have those same conversations in more markets.
0: That's really interesting to hear. I think especially looking at the idea of bringing additional physicians and especially attracting some of the early career physicians as well. I know that's something that a lot of practices and surgery centers have top of mind, but really struggle with, um, especially in the current market. What trends are you seeing in terms of physicians who are coming out of their fellowships or who are early in their careers? You know, how do you kind of attract them and make sure that you're you're giving them the right value proposition um, to come into the practice, especially you know if they've got a large amount of medical debt coming out of school.
1: Absolutely. So you know I think you know one thing that is important to note, and I think works in our favor is that um, hospital employment is rampant in the orthopedic space, right? So I think we can be a really nice private practice alternative. To highly skilled, highly qualified, fellowship-trained orthopedists who would consider going to a hospital system but would rather work for a uh, majority physician-owned, high-growth organization like ours. And so as we think about that, that means, you know, they can own a piece of our business, right? That's not something a physician can do when they go to work for a hospital. We make sure that the compensation plans that we develop Uh, for our partner practices are, um, you know, at market and are are, I would say, just generally competitive with hospitals and other private practices. I mean, I can tell you that in many instances, you know, average physician compensation across Aspire platform is well in excess of their private practice peers. And so for us, making sure that the physician's Um, can earn a great living, can own a piece of the business, and can be part of the leadership in a majority physician-owned platform is helpful. You know, we have physicians on our national advisory board. We have physicians on our local clinical governance boards, which retain complete control over the clinical practice of medicine, ensuring that physicians have autonomy. And so, you know, I hear oftentimes from physicians who are employed in the hospital that you know, they're, they're effectively told how to practice medicine. You know, they're, they're told what procedures they can and cannot perform. Um, they're told where to send referrals or not send referrals. And I think for us, you know, that, that is all left up to the physicians. That's not what business people here at Spire do. And so I think when we sit down with somebody who is coming out of the greatest fellowship program, top of their class, and can really work anywhere, we think we've been successful because, again, it's, competitive, uh, I would say compensation plan, the ability to own a piece of the business and really the, the ability to be a long-term leader in an organization like ours.
0: Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Chris. Now, before we wrap up our discussion, I, I wanted to go back to Spire's growth over the next year. I know you mentioned being able to double again by the end of the year, which is really fascinating and fantastic to hear. What is the company's long-term strategy for success going forward?
1: So, you know, look, I think um, the goal long-term is to to obviously scale the business, right? So how do we do that? You know, I think for us, it's to use our physicians as a roadmap. So our physicians that we're partnered with today have been very helpful in pointing us in the direction of high-quality orthopedic groups that serve primary markets around the country. And so for us, again, we're not cold-calling physicians. We're not... Uh, We're not buying lists of physicians for us. We are really looking to our existing physician partners to point us in the direction of quality. And, you know, our view is that we partner with the right practices. And what does that mean? Is that the number one, number two player in a key market around the country, an organization that's longstanding has served a community for a long time, has been able to recruit talented physicians uh, and has been able to retain patients for generations. That to us is where we spend our time. And so long-term, it's about partnering with groups like those that we have already partnered with in underserved markets and markets where, you know, we think we can thrive long-term. Um, that will be the greatest driver of growth for us. Obviously, we'll pull some of those growth levers that we talked about at a local level, retaining or sorry, recruiting physicians and opening new offices and building out ancillaries. Sure, uh, but I think at the end of the day, Aspire as a kind of a as a as a macro level company grows. Most of the growth is going to be partnering with really well established orthopedic platforms um, that have relationship with our doctors today. Um, and I think that's how we'll, that, that, that is our long term growth strategy. Um, now, what that means long term with respect to whether or not we bring on additional investment from future private equity partners, um, you know, I think, I, think, I, think, I think at the end of the day, if we partner with the right groups, we'll have all the options open to us at some point down the road.
0: Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion. and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.
1: Thanks, Laura. I appreciate it.